This is Catherine, welcoming you to the 2,341st edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper. Dateline, 4th of May, 2023. The readers this week are Roz, Angela, Denise, Catherine, with Dem on the Controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the A-Team, which is us. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer, and is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and Dispatch and are their copyright. The event's information has been collected by us from other sources. Before the news, we have the sunrise and sunset times for the week's beginning, 8th of May. Uh, the sunrise time will be 5.21 in the morning and the sunset time, 8.34 in the evening. And we have one special notice this week and that's from our recurring special notice from Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with a charity commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. And here are the dates for the next few months. So this month in May, it's Thursday the 18th of May. In June, it's Thursday the 15th of June. And in July, it's Thursday the 20th of July. For further information, please contact us uh, via telephone in the first instance on 020 That's 020-8373-6260. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. And in that vein, one of our readers this evening, Denise, is having a birthday week. So we've got cake and wine. (laughs) So please let us know what you're celebrating. And if you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899-854-582. That's 07899-854-582. 582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, um, Roz will read the first item of local news. Thanks, Catherine. Tower blocks may be demolished. Two Edmonton tower blocks, where gas supplies had to, to be switched off over safety floors, are set to be taken out of use and likely to be demolished. Senior councillors have agreed to decommission Cheshire House and Shropshire House at Shire's Estate Edmonton after more than three quarters of residents who responded to a survey said they wanted to leave the estate. The council plans to rehouse residents within a year and has pledged to start discussions as soon as possible with leaseholders to ensure the timely buyback of their properties. Built in the 1960s using the cut-price large panel method of construction, the two 18-storey tower blocks failed structural safety tests carried out following the Grenfell Tower tragedy 
and were deemed to be at risk of collapse in the event of, of a gas explosion. The council previously planned to connect both blocks to its district heat network Energetic and the date for switching off the gas supply was extended from June this year to January next year. But in November, the gas supply to Cheshire House had to be cut off urgently after a leak was discovered. The council subsequently announced its plans to switch off the supply Shropshire House by the end of this February. The Civic Centre's handling of the safety issues has been heavily criticised by the Conservative opposition councillors who previously called on Cabinet Member for Housing, George Saver, to quit over the issue, as well as Edmonton's own Labour MP, Kate Ossimer. During a Cabinet meeting on Wednesday, members of the Council's Labour Administrative agreed to decommission the blocks subject to the safe rehousing of all residents. According to a Council report... There are almost 200 people currently living in these blocks. Council reports state that keeping the blocks in a state of safe repair over 30 years would cost around £53 million, with £40 million needed in the next few months. Apologies, the next three years. These would place a considerable financial burden on leaseholders and reduce funds available to be invested in other council homes. Moving people out and decommissioning the blocks would cost significantly less, estimated around £16.7 million, and this was said to be the only visible and feasible option. The council says dedicated officers will be deployed to support residents to identify their housing options and to give them the chance to move. An article about plans for two new children's homes part of a strategy to provide more residential care. Enfield Council plans to create two new children's homes to cope with the rising numbers of young people needing residential care. The Civic Centre has set aside £1.5 to convert two buildings into homes for looked-after children as it seeks to boost local provision and avoid expensive out-of-borough placements. A report presented to a meeting of the Council's Cabinet on Wednesday, April the 19th, states that in 2021-22, of children placed in residential care were given out-of-borough accommodation, with the amount spent on residential placements totalling £7.2 million. It adds that the demand for residential provision is likely to rise in future years because of increasing numbers of children and young people in the care system. To help boost local provision, the council plans to buy former site managers' houses at Carterhatch School and Raglang School from the Department for Education before extending and refurbishing the properties. Each of the new homes will be able to accommodate three children, one with one used to house youngsters with complex or behavioural needs. The report states that both schools support the proposals, but notes that the release of the properties is subject to the approval of the government. It adds that converting the two properties, which will also have access to safe and secure outdoor garden space for recreation, marks the beginning of a longer-term strategy to provide more residential care in Enfield. If all goes to plan... The council hopes the children's homes will be open by January next year. Speaking during Wednesday's meeting, Abdul Abdullahi, councillor responsible for children's services, said 
The number of children being placed in a residential setting has increased, not just in Enfield, but nationally, due to children and young people entering care with complex and mental health needs. This also means the average costs keep rising and rising and demanding outstrips the supply. By opening two local homes in the borough, we are looking to create more capacity for our looked-after children in Enfield, which will allow children to be closer to their families and friends and access to local resources such as schools. Cabinet members unanimously approved proposals set out in the report. And now wait goes on for Borough's big housing schemes to deliver. Work on a major development of 1,800 homes has yet to begin, two and a half years after being approved, while another big scheme in the borough faces a legal challenge. The redevelopment of Coliseum Retail Park in Southbury is one of several large schemes with planning permission in Enfield that have yet to begin construction. Another is the plan to redevelop Edmonton Green Shopping Centre to provide more than 1,400 homes, which is now facing a legal challenge from supermarket chain Asda. It comes as Enfield Council continues to face added pressure to approve new residential schemes after failing to meet its house-building targets. After the Council's Planning Committee approved the Coliseum scheme in September 2020, the Civic Centre granted formal planning permission to developers BlackRock and NEAT developments in July 2021. Set to provide a series of housing blocks between 6 and 29 storeys tall, the development was criticised for being too dense and providing only 30% affordable homes below the Council's 40% target. But the only signs of progress is the relocation of B&Q from Coliseum Retail Park to neighbouring Enfield Retail Park in December last year. Although the reasons for the hold-up are not known and the developers have not commented, the construction sector has been hit by significant price inflation over the past year. The Edmonton Green Shopping Centre scheme will see the existing 1960s-era malls demolished to make way for new shops and tower blocks of up to 30 storeys high. Despite being approved by the Council's Planning Committee in December 2021, Mm. formal planning permission was only granted to developer Crosstree Real Estate Partners in November 2022. But a council report has now revealed supermarket chain Asda has applied for a judicial review of the decision with a court hearing due to take place on the 27th of June. Asda has declined to comment, but plans for the redevelopment include the demolition of an access road and parking ramp serving the car park on the roof of the supermarket. The Council's planning report states Asda objected to the loss of car parking and lack of certainty over its reprovision. It said it would have significant impact on Asda customers and trading performance. A Council spokesperson said these are complex projects often requiring other consents and permissions to be obtained. Excuse me... (coughs) Both developments will be delivered over many years and council officers remain in regular contact with both developers. The council acknowledges the difficulties posed by the current economic climate and rising 
construction costs. Other infield schemes where work has yet to commence include the Southgate Office Village Scheme, set to provide 216 homes, <clears throat> approved via appeal in December 2021, plans for 148 flats in Green Street, Brimstone, approved by Planning Committee in January 2021, and the redevelopment of a former gas holder in New Southgate to provide 182 homes approved by Planning Committee in December 2021. The developers from all schemes mentioned were approached for comment. And even more stuff about the state of housing in Enfield um, with an article cut to affordable homes at council-owned Meridian water sites, absolute disgrace. The leader of Enfield Council insists plans for Meridian Water have not changed, despite a new report showing a reduction of homes on council-owned sites with a lower percentage of affordable housing. Council leader Nezel Chaliskan said plans for the flagship Edmonton Regeneration Scheme remain the same, including a pledge to build 10,000 homes in total and ensure 40% of these are classed as affordable. But an updated financial model indicates the number of affordable homes set to be built on council-owned sites in Meridian Water had dropped from the 3,846 forecast in 2019, that's 39.5% of the total, to 3,569 now being forecast in 2023, that's 38.9% of the total. The loss of 277 affordable homes from the new financial model was branded an absolute disgrace by Conservative leader Alessandro Giorgio, who also criticised what he claimed was slow progress on the regeneration scheme. But during a cabinet meeting last month, the acting director of the Meridian Water Project, Penny Halliday, emphasised that the report referred to council-owned land only and claimed the authority remained on track <coughs> excuse me, to exceed the 40% affordable housing target because the master plan included third-party sites currently owned by IKEA and Tesco. Penny explained that there had been an increase in non-residential floor space to maximise the quality of employment and commercial space to ensure we get those quality jobs available for local people. The report explains the scheme's new financial model has had to be revised following unprecedented inflation caused by Covid, Brexit and other global and domestic events, which pushed up construction costs. It states that the 2019 financial model assumed 702 homes would be built on the car park of Swedish furniture company IKEA, which owns a now-closed store within the regeneration zone. It adds that this site has the capacity for 2,000 homes, meaning the council's overall target of 10,000 homes at Meridian Water could be exceeded. IKEA is expected to advertise the site for sale during the autumn and the report acknowledges that it could be bought by an organisation that does not share the council's development aims. The council plans to reduce this risk by 
a regular positive dialogue with the IKEA management team. The report also reveals plans to market four development sites within the regeneration zone this year, while 10-year capital spending at Meridian Water is set to rise from £326 million to £368.6 million, with £202 million of this funding by borrowing. Construction works, funded by £170 million from the Government's Housing Infrastructure Fund, or the HIF, have been unable to start on site. However, as inflation means, the schemes cannot be delivered within the funding envelope. The Council is now lobbying the Government for extra cash. It adds that the Meridian Water Master Plan has gone through several iterations since 2018 and will continue to evolve. However, the Council still gave no details of when the new Master Plan would be published. The only published version of the Master Plan was approved in July 2013, when the scheme was expected to be half its current size, and there have been repeated calls to make the updated version public. Councillor Georgiou said the Conservatives believed the Council was downplaying the amount of capital spending required over the next 10 years. He also suggested the administration was holding back information on Meridian Water, including the assumptions that lie behind the capital programme. In response, Councillor Jaliskan said the Council's plan for Meridian Water remain the same and will deliver even more affordable homes on council land than previously planned for, with just under 10,000 new homes at 40% affordable levels. Food Bank warns it's only getting worse. Food banks in Enfield are struggling to cope with the demand amid the highest rise in food prices for 45 years, with some reporting a fourfold increase in as many months. Inflation remains in double digits thanks to the rising cost of buying food and drink, with these prices rising nearly 20% in a single year, while an escalating homelessness crisis in Enfield has exacerbated the issue locally. More and more people in employment are now showing up at the borough's food banks and other food services, local providers have said, with 200 homeless families in Enfield holed up in hotels, many do not have cooking facilities and therefore in need of hot meals instead of tins and packets of uncooked food. Diane John is the co-ordinator of Enfield Food Alliance, a network of 30 local organisations providing food support locally. She told the dispatch, People are reluctant to take certain types of foods because they are thinking about how they will heat them up. Increased numbers are coming from hotels and they just don't have access to cooking facilities. The voluntary sector is now being asked to provide hot meals rather than just the usual groceries. We need to have a clear understanding as a borough of how we are going to deal with it. Diane added that she wants more local organisations providing food to struggling families to be involved in coming up with solutions. Being able to use empty premises to provide pop-up food provisions could be one answer, she says. 
Cooking Champions is a social enterprise which provides food parcels, delivering and free weekly hot lunches from their kitchen in Ponder's End. Founder Claire Donoghue said their rate of referrals had risen by 300% between November 2022 and March this year. Gosh, can I repeat that? That's 300% between November 2022 and March this year. More people that are working are struggling. She told the dispatch, this is the stigma that people should just work more hours or get better jobs instead of using food banks. But that is not the reality for people. They have feelings of guilt and shame. They feel they have failed. We're getting more cases of people suffering mental health issues such as depression and addiction. We started Cooking Champions to help people during the COVID-19 lockdown. But there is no sign of the situation improving. It is only getting worse. Claire added that they had been forced to change their operation at Cooking Champions to now provide food for people on a limited four-week rotation to manage the influx of referrals and to continue to ensure everyone at least gets some form of help. Cooking Champions relies on donations and is currently appealing for people who can support them with a monthly £5 donation, which covers the cost of providing an individual with weekly food parcels for four weeks. Meanwhile, a report on food poverty published by the London Assembly welcomed Mayor Sadiq Khan's pledge to provide free school meals to all London primary school children throughout the next academic year, but warned a long-term solution to the problem of food insecurity was also needed. The report calls on Khan to work with the government and local councils to expand free school meals once his own funding comes to an end and urges the government to restore the £20 uplift of universal credit. Lib Dem Assembly member Heine Bokhara said, Food insecurity is not a new phenomenon for households on low incomes, but the current cost of living emergency is making this situation much worse for so many Londoners. A Department for Work and Pension spokesman said, We are committed to protecting the most vulnerable, which is why we have up rated benefits, including universal credit, by 10.1% this month. That was April. And I provided more than £94 billion over 2022-23 and 2023-24 to help people with their higher bills. An average of over £3,300 per household. And now politics. Labour retained one of its two seats in Bullsmore Ward, following a by-election prompted by a councillor's resignation. Destiny Caracas was elected to represent Bullsmore alongside existing Labour councillor Kate Anulu. It followed the resignation of Erin Goons in March for personal reasons. While both Labour and the Conservatives increased their vote share in the ward compared with last year's borough-wide election, the Tories managed to reduce the gap between the parties from 21.4% points in 2022 to 19.6, 19.6 points now. This came at the expense of the Green, Liberal Democrat and the Trade Unionist and Socialist Coalition candidates who all saw their vote share decline. Newly elected Councillor Caracas said she was proud to become the youngest Labour councillor in Enfield and added, thank you, all of you comrades, 
who helped and the residents who voted. In her pitch for votes prior to the by-election, Councillor Caracas had said she was passionate about making Enfield cleaner, greener and safer and would prioritise tackling fly-tipping, antisocial behaviour and creating opportunities for young people. Despite Tory candidate Christine Bellas coming up short, Conservative group leader Alessandro Giorgio claimed the Bullsmore by-election saw a positive result for his party and said, as far as I'm concerned, this is a brilliant result for Conservatives in Enfield and, if replicated at the next council election in 2026, we would win. And here's a story now about a Ramadan litter pick. A North London mosque has taken to the streets of Enfield to help clear litter from the neglected area during the month of Ramadan. Heart of Enfield Mosque, which currently has no permanent base but operates in the Enfield Lock area, collected 15 bags of litter earlier this month as part of its initiative. The litter-picking event on April the 8th, which took place during the month of Ramadan and was the first organised by the mosque, was attended by 20 volunteers. But now Salim Ahmed, chairman and founder of the mosque, has said he hopes to run the event monthly to help the local community. Salim said, We're very unfortunate in that the part of Enfield we're in has been somewhat neglected. It's quite sad in that the community, everyone is just living their individual lives. There's not really a connective consciousness. We wanted to do something about that. Litter picking is a great way for keeping our area nice. It's Ramadan now. It's a month of fasting. It's a month of charity. So for us as a Muslim community, we were thinking about how we can help people. Heart of Enfield, which was founded in 2012, is aiming to build a permanent home in Hartford Road in the near future. LTN, that's Low Traffic Neighbourhood, Boundary Road traffic increases understated due to software issues. Enfield Council has blamed software issues for undercounting slow-moving vehicles during a low-traffic neighbourhood LTN trial. The council has admitted traffic moving below 6.2 miles an hour in congested roads had not been recorded following the introduction of the Fox Lane LTN because a software update had changed the setting of its traffic counters. After rerunning the data to account for the slow-moving vehicles, the council said it changed the result from 5.7% rise in traffic on boundary roads to an 8% increase but this did not alter the original decision to make the project permanent. LTNs were introduced by the council to tackle air pollution and stop drivers rat-running through residential streets. But the schemes have proved divisive, with opponents claiming they merely push traffic and pollution onto boundary roads. A report published by the council in November stated that the undercounting issue arose from an incorrect default setting applied to the contractor's equipment when the baseline data was collected in 2019. The revised data, taken to correct the error, showed increases in 24-hour traffic flows on boundary roads ranging from 4% in Alderman's Hill to 15% in Southgate High Street. 
Conservative councillor Maria Alexandru, shadow cabinet member for climate change, says she believes the council would still have gone ahead with the LTN even if the increase was higher than 8% because it has an anti-car agenda. They, the council, do not want to discuss it any more. She added, they say it's done. Figures obtained by Councillor Alexandru reveal the council has now received more than £4.6 million from fines issued in camera-enforced roads in low-traffic neighbourhoods since the scheme was introduced. A council spokesperson said, Quieter neighbourhoods, LTNs, are about making our streets cleaner and quieter for our residents and encouraging people to find alternative ways to travel around the borough. Given this, a range of factors were considered when making the Fox Lane quieter neighbourhood permanent. Our contractor explained that software issues happened in 2019, before the council started the project, and further data was collected in 2021. This highlighted an 8% rise following implementation, which the council concluded did not alter the original decision to make the project permanent. The council, along with other local authorities across the UK, continues to use traffic count data alongside other monitoring techniques in order to build an overall picture of the impacts of particular projects. And there's a very lovely picture taken on a sunny day recently, obviously, of an enormous more than one and a half mile tailback of cars on what was previously a residential quiet road. And that's now taking on as a boundary road. This is Alderman's Hill, all the all the traffic, just bumper to bumper of cars. Um, and this is presumably part of the 8% increase. That doesn't change anything. Former factory worker appeal. A former factory worker who believes his job at a metal factory exposed him to lethal asbestos is appealing to former work colleagues for help with a legal claim. Calagero Ingria, also known as Charlie, recently received a diagnosis of the asbestos-related cancer mesothelioma. I would like to hear from those who worked at the Johnson factory, Johnson Matty factory in Jeffreys Road, Brimsdown, at a similar time to him. Charlie, now aged 78, worked at the metal factory between 1966 and 1992. It processed metal and melted down materials to produce blocks of metal, and Charlie joined the company when he was aged 25 at first working in the nickel department before moving to the evaluation department where he spent the majority of his time. He mixed and ground up raw materials from the mines which then went into a furnace to be melted and made into blocks. The work was dusty and Charlie recalls the factory roof was made from asbestos corrugated sheets. The pensioner was diagnosed with mesothelioma in October 2022 and is now receiving treatment. So anyone with information is asked to contact Jessica Pittman at Lee Day on J Pittman, that's P-I-T-T-M-A-N, at leeday.co.uk, L-E-I-G-H-D-A-Y dot co dot UK, or call 0203-780-0465. And now a letter written by Dr. Kit Sturgis from the Cats Protection. 
Dr. Kit Sturgis writes, I am writing to encourage your readers to consider an, a moggy when thinking about giving a cat a new home. Our latest survey revealed 38% of cats acquired in 2022, that's about six, 600,000 cats, were pedigrees such as ragdolls or Scottish folds, while 47% or 7,500 cats were moggies, cats produced through non-selective breeding such as domestic, short or long hair. This is the narrowest gap that we have seen between pedigrees and moggies in memory. As a result, Cats Protection is celebrating moggies this spring and encouraging would-be owners to look past a breed or current social media-led trends. Moggies have just as much personality and affection to share as pedigrees. They also tend to be less expensive both at the onset and over the course of their lifetime. There are thousands of moggies needing new homes across the Cats Protection Network of branches and centres and all the cats are vet-checked, microchipped, neutered if old enough and they arrive in their new homes with four weeks free insurance. For further details of the benefits of welcoming a moggy into your life, please go to cats.org.uk forward slash more than just a moggy. And yes, that is all one word. We also have lots of good advice about acquiring a pedigree cat, including some potential pitfalls at cats.org.uk forward slash pedigrees. And there is an absolutely gorgeous picture of a sweet, sweet cat. I can't tell if it's male or female, but because the cat is wearing a bow tie, I'm assuming it's a he. Very handsome ginger tabby with green eyes staring soulfully into the camera. And I really wish I could hug him. <laughs> and here we have a Palmer's Green story now. Broomfield Park's boating pond is set to be repaired after years of sitting empty because of a broken pump. Hurrah! Hurrah! The pond has sat dry since 2020 when blocked pipes prevented it being refilled from a nearby borehole, while the pump was later also found to be faulty. Last year, Enfield Council warned that restoring and refilling the pond would require significant investment, but has now confirmed it will be funded through grants and council funds. Kim Lumley, co-chair of the Friends of Broomfield Park, said, We hope and expect to see the pond filled with fresh water from the natural aquifer this summer. Hurrah! We've been waiting for that. Bank given listed status for world first. Barclays Bank in Enfield Town has been given a Grade 2 listed heritage um, Grade 2 heritage listing thanks to its claim to a world first. The bank launched the world's first automated teller machine, ATM, on the 27th of June 1967 and boasts a blue plaque celebrating its place in history as a result. Comedian Reg Varney, an Enfield resident at the time, was the first person to use it. This week, it was announced by Historic England that the Barclays Bank building in the town has now been listed and added to the National Heritage List, protecting it from future development. 
Sarah Gibson, listing team leader at Historic England, said... Cash machines are now such a normal part of our daily lives. But it was in this elegant bank building in a North London suburb that this new groundbreaking technology was tested and went on to change the world. It's extraordinary to think how much has changed since 1967 when it comes to everyday banking. While our use of cash has fallen in recent years, as contactless technology dominates... It still remains a lifeline to many, and I'm glad to see this building recognised for its contribution to that story of evolution. The bank building's entry on the National Heritage List for England recognises both its historic and architectural significance. The purpose-built bank, originally a branch of the London and Provincial, is a strong work of 19th-century commercial architecture, Built in 1897, it stands on a prominent corner of Enfield Charter Market and its exterior remains largely unaltered. The bank was designed by William Gilby Scott in a style described by architectural historian Nikolaus Pevsner as exuberant Flemish Renaissance. Made of red brick with stone dressings and prominent gables, it is topped by a decorative cupola and small spire. Although the original cash machine at the bank has long since been replaced, a blue plaque was unveiled in 2017 at the spot where it was installed to mark the 50th anniversary. Barclays has also turned one of its current cash machines gold. Uh, For those who are dining at the moment, you may just want to pause your recordings. Um, Fast food franchise fined almost £12,000. Operators of a Subway fast food franchise have been fined £11.782 after hygiene inspectors found flies, mouse droppings and a live mouse stuck to a trap. Essage Subs, which operates Subway Restaurant in Church Street, Enfield Town, and its three company directors, Mr Abdul Bashir, Mr Zakir Hossein and Mr Kabir Hossein, pleaded guilty to to breaching food hygiene pest controls and contamination regulations at Highbury Corner Magistrates Court on March 27th. The offences were discovered when officers from Enfield's Council's Environmental Health Food Safety Team made a routine visit to the restaurant and takeaway on November 13th, 2021. They found drain flies, a lack of cleanliness, mouse droppings and a live mouse stuck to a sticky glue board trap. The premises were immediately voluntarily closed as it posed an imminent risk to the public health and was given a food hygiene rating of zero. Who knew that even existed? Um, Subsequent visits revealed a hole in the wall, mouse droppings in the cupboard in the first floor, customer seating area, gaps that needed sealing around pipes, rat droppings near a rear waste pipe in washing-up area and a broken electric fly killer and con- which continued evidence of drain flies and mouse droppings in the till area. Further routine inspections were carried out in 2022 and 2023. The company was prosecuted for breaching food safety and hygiene regulations for pest control, prevention of contamination, failure to keep the premises clean and in good repair and failure to implement and maintain permanent hazard control procedures. 
the company was ordered to pay a contribution to Enfield Council's costs of 9,146.77, bringing the final fine costs to £20,928. Yuck. Enfield Town ended the Isimian League Premier Division season with a 2-1 home defeat against Averley. It left Andy Lees's side in ninth place, having taken just three points from their final six matches. Averley's Ryan Scott rose highest to head home from a free kick on 13 minutes, with Harry Gibb heading another wide and Timmy Babalola firing wide. But Town got back on terms midway through the second half when substitute Lewis Tafe was fouled in the box and Sam Young's netted from the penalty spot. Their joy, however, was short-lived as Babalola headed home from an in-swinging corner just minutes later to put the visitors back in front. And Town cheered on by 618 strong crowd were reduced to 10 men on 80 minutes when Tafe received a straight red card after he was adjudged to have lunged dangerously on Emmanuel Ogorinde. And here's some further sports news. Enfield Ignatians have been granted a reprieve as they will continue to play their rugby in Counties 1, Hearts Middlesex in the 2023-24 season. Following discussions between the various clubs, it was decided to put relegation on hold, which means that the two clubs propping up the table, namely Hackney and Ignatians, have been granted a stay of execution. However, the composition of this Level 7 league will inevitably change given the promotion of the top two clubs, Hemel Hempstead and Grasshoppers, and the advent of two new kids on the block, namely the promoted pair Chessant and London Scottish Lions. Otherwise, the league will comprise familiar names in the shape of Chiswick, Old Streetonians, Hitchin, Ryslip, Finchley, Welling, Datchworth and Hampstead. The club welcomes new recruits of all abilities who are invited to contact head coach Jack Wilson in the first instance. His mobile is 07507 393 726. I'll read that again. 07507 393 726. And he can also be contacted via email on willow988.jw at gmail.com. That's capital W, I-L-L-O-W, 988 dot lowercase jw at gmail.com. And in this next story, a picture really does paint a thousand words. The picture takes up half of a page of newspaper. It's in full colour and it's got big tall people in it. It's got small children in it. It's got people in wheelchairs in it. It's got wide people, short people, bald people, people with long hair. And they've got one thing in common. They've got the biggest smiles I've ever seen on, on anyone's face. Some of them are cheering. Some of them are hugging each other. Some of them even look shocked, but with a smile on their face. 
And all amongst this, this mayhem of joy, are, uh, there's, a, there's a shower of golden confetti falling down on their heads, on their shoulders, around their feet. And the story is very simply... Performers from Chicken Shed Theatre in Southgate stole the show on Britain's Got Talent, receiving a golden buzzer from Judge Alicia Dixon after moving her to tears. An inclusive cast, aged from 5 to 37, filled the stage with an uplifting three-and-a-half-minute performance featuring rapping, singing and dancing that had the audience and judges on their feet with a standing ovation. The golden buzzer means Chicken Shed now skip past the boot camp stage of the competition, sending them straight to the live shows still to come. Good luck, Chicken Shed. Absolutely. And another good news story. Dog is saved by fire crews. Firefighters saved a dog from a blaze caused by a washing machine. Two fire engines and around 10 firefighters were called to, house, to a house fire in Pembroke Avenue, Enfield, on April the 18th at 10.45am. They had the blaze under control in 20 minutes, but half of the ground floor of a two-storey semi-detached house was damaged by the fire, London Fire Brigade were able to report. Two people left the property before fire crews arrived and firefighters wearing breathing apparatus managed to get in to rescue the dog. There were no other injuries reported. The fire was under control by 115 it is believed to have been caused by an electrical fault in the washing machine, they added, and crews from Enfield Fire Station attended the scene. A construction skills company, a construction skills academy, has opened at Meridian Water, with more than 500 students now set to be trained there each year. Enfield Construction Skills Academy has been delivered by Enfield Council with Countrywide Partnerships and Capital City College Group, CCCG, and they have started to accept students and also provide opportunities for local people hoping to gain the skills and qualifications needed for a career in construction. Courses will be led by the College of Haringey, Enfield and North East London, Colnell, which is also part of the CCCG. And there will be a focus on teaching sustainable construction methods and how to improve energy efficiency in buildings. Apprenticeships will also be available in different areas such as carpentry, plumbing, brickwork and thermal installation. The new academy building features a reception area, a canteen, offices, a visitor's centre, classroom, workshops and an external outside area. And now a final story about the councils refusing to back down over cashless parking. Enfield councillors refused to back down in response to a letter from Michael Gove calling on the local authority to continue allowing cash payments for parking. The council is pressing ahead with the removal of its parking metres despite a backlash from drivers who say they will struggle to pay if they don't have a smartphone. Fears have arisen that the move will lead to digital exclusion for elderly drivers who struggle with new technology. 
As Enfield and other councils have made moves to axe cash payments, Secretary of State Michael Gove last month wrote to all local authorities asking them to continue providing a means to pay for parking using cash. However, it remains unclear what powers could be used by Gove, who runs the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, to stop parking metres being ripped out. In his letter to Enfield and other councils, Gove wrote, All local authorities have existing statutory duties to ensure that they do not discriminate in their decision-making against older people or those with vulnerabilities. Cash remains legal tender and it will continue to be used in our daily lives by people who favour its accessibility and ease. I am therefore concerned that local authorities should ensure that there are alternative provisions for parking payments available so that no part of society is digitally excluded. This is of course important for many areas in preserving the accessibility of our high streets and town centres for all the public. An Enfield Council spokesperson stood by the original statement given to the dispatch in February to justify the removal of parking metres in the borough when they said sorry, excuse me, when they said the local authority wanted to reduce the amount of street furniture in the borough's pavements and that cashless parking methods were now being used more. The council spokesperson reiterated that drivers still had the option to buy parking scratch cards in advance or pay in shops displaying the pay point sign. However, concerns have also now been raised that too few shops in the borough are signed up to the pay point scheme. Alessandro Giorgio, leader of the opposition Conservative group at Enfield Civic Centre, told the dispatch that at least two paypoint shops were needed in every town centre for cashless parking to work effectively and that this was not currently the case. Cockfosters only has one paypoint shop located half a mile from the start of its main shopping area, while Oakwood has none whatsoever. The Green in Winchmore Hill also only has one paypoint shop, as does the shopping area around Arnest Grove Station, where Transport for London recently removed its own parking facilities ahead of a residential development on the station's car parks. On the council's decision to scrap all its parking metres, Councillor Georgiou said... Quite frankly, this is a disgraceful decision which will increase the digital divide between residents that have smartphones and are able to use them and those that don't. Mm. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So, from the team of Roz, Angela, Denise, myself, Catherine, and Dem on the Controls, it's... Bye! Bye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying Play Podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget, you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Enfield Talking newspaper on 07899 854 
582. That's 07899-854-582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.